Welcome to It's a Crime, I'm Linda, and today we're gonna to be taking a little look back at Thanksgiving in November 2019 in the Lori Vallow Daybell case. There are some very suspicious things in the details and I'm about to expose it and connect some dots. Looks like there was a major holiday huddle for a group game plan. But before I get into it, if you'd like to be part of the It's a Crime community, please click that subscribe button below, hit that notification bell to all. Please give this video a like and share this out where you can. Now, let's get into it. Thanksgiving week in November 2019 seemed to be a very busy week for a lot of people surrounding Lori and Chad Daybell. There are some major decisions happening as well in that week. And while we thought there were only three core people involved, Alex, Lori, and Chad, there's definitely more than meets the eye. Let's have a closer look. First, Lori and Chad got married in Hawaii on November 5th, over a month and a half after Tylee and JJ were killed and two weeks after Tammy. And on November 26th, just two days before Thanksgiving, Rexburg police went to Lori's residence to do a welfare check on J.J. Vallow. The call came in from Larry and Kay Woodcock, J.J.'s grandparents. Now, they hadn't talked to J.J. for months, and on the day before this welfare check, Kay found out where Lori was living through Charles's Amazon account, Lori's fourth husband, who's deceased. Kay noticed that Lori purchased items for her and her soon-to-be new husband, Chad Daybell, courtesy of Charles's credit card. And yes, that's fraud, but no, just like murder charges, she hasn't been charged. So Kay calls and asks for a welfare check on JJ. The last time she talked to JJ was a very quick phone call around 30 seconds, and that was before the move to Rexburg back in August. So now here are the cast of characters that we're going to be talking about in the timeline surrounding Thanksgiving and the outright lies that went on. A special nod, however, to Melanie Pulowski and Zulema Pastenis. Here are the usual suspects. Alex Cox, Lori's brother, known to attack Lori's third husband, Joseph Ryan, with a stun gun and make threats. Alex shot husband number four, Charles Vallow, in the chest and claimed self-defense. His phone also pinged on Chad's property the days both Tylee and JJ were buried. Alex is known as Lori's protector. Zulema Pastenis. Alex's soon-to-be new wife just days after Thanksgiving. Zulema's place was where Alex died in December, weeks after their wedded bliss. Zulema asked the cops on the day that Alex died if she is a suspect in his death. She knows more than we think, and in this video, I'm going to show you one aspect why. Notable, Zulema has been offered use immunity. And use immunity is defined as it prevents the prosecution from using the witness statements or any evidence derived from those statements against the witness in a criminal prosecution. In theory, use and derivative use immunity provides as much protection as the witness not testifying. Melanie Pulowski, Lori's niece, also known to Lori as her baby. She was Melanie Boudreaux at the time around Thanksgiving and then just days after became Melanie Pulowski. She was in a nasty custody battle with Brandon Boudreaux who had an attempt made on his life in October just the month before. It got so bad that Brandon sued Melanie's lawyers and was recently awarded $12 million in a defamation suit. Melanie was also arrested a month before and good old Uncle Alex bailed her out. She's been known to spew out word salad in her interviews. Melanie Gibb, a friend of Lori and Chad's and Alex 
and Melanie Pulowski, or so she thought. Melanie Gibb was asked by Alex and Melanie Pulowski to go to Brandon's previous house to see if her kids were there. Melanie and Alex knew that Brandon had already moved. Perfect for an alibi. A similar event happened in September, two months before Thanksgiving. Melanie was present the day JJ vanished and was killed. The question I have is, was Melanie supposed to be set up to take the fall? Ian Pulowski, the soon-to-be new hubby of Melanie Pulowski. They dated for a whole 10 days before getting married. Ian took notes of his new wife and family and secretly recorded her. Off to a good start, Ian. Melanie got pregnant right away and now they have a new baby. Chad Daybell, known to flee the area, sorry, areas, plural, that he gets in trouble in. And he's also known to lie, a lot. Chad believes in multiple probations and believes that he and Lori were married multiple times in a previous life. In fact, in this life, it was said that when he met Lori, that was his so-called pickup line. Chad's current wife at the time, Tammy Daybell, had an attempt made on her life two weeks before she actually died. There are discrepancies in the day she actually died. The attempt was also a week and a half after Brandon Boudreaux's plot to kill. Chad collected an estimated $430,000 on Tammy's life insurance and married Lori two weeks later. Now, side note, you'd think with all the money that was collected, they could afford to pay for their own wedding attire and more than a $30 ring, but oops, Lori bought that stuff two weeks before Tammy died, then married Chad. Lori Vallow Daybell, lots to say here. Lori married five times and husband number three and four are dead and number five is in jail. Lori has been known to manipulate, steal, and lie, and has a pattern to seek revenge throughout her life. She also stole money from Charles, collected on JJ and Tylee, even though they were dead, and as I mentioned, committed fraud using Charles' credit card. She also used Tylee's bank card after Tylee was dead. List goes on, no charges for fraud. Notable, when she was told that people are praying for the safe return of her children, she said, that's great also known to laugh and smile when people die. Now let's get into the timeline. Police officers arrive at Lori's residence in Rexburg, Idaho on November 26, 2019, two days before Thanksgiving. Chad, Lori, and Alex are all there in Rexburg together. Melanie Pulowski was also living there at the time, right next door to Lori. She was still Melanie Boudreaux when she moved. She moved from Arizona in the beginning of November. No sign of her on that day though, on the 26th that we know of, interestingly. So on the 26th, the officers knock at the door. Lori answers the door and says her brother is there with her. She tells the officers that JJ is with her friend in Arizona with her friend being Melanie Gibb, and Lori says that JJ went to the Frozen 2 movie. Officers tell Lori to tell their friend to call them. Hi, Lori, sorry to bother you again. We're having a little trouble getting a hold of your friend down there, Melanie. Well, they were going to Frozen 2 today, so they may be at the movies. Could you get a hold of her at some point and say, can you please call back the officer that's been trying to call you? Cause she, yeah, because I think they are at the movies right now. Okay, that that he's in. been trying to call her or other officer. She's not answering. Okay. Because if they're at the movie, she's that's probably at Frozen Two right now. Yeah. Because that's the one thing he wanted to do. I'm Frozen Two. Yeah. I don't know if I can handle a whole winter here. Yeah. So if she'll just return his call, that'd be great. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Now an important side note. 
the two kids were already buried in Chad Daybell's property, two months before that, back in September. And that day, Lori mentions frozen too. The weather was 28 degrees that day as a high, with 11 degrees as a low on that day. The two kids would also be underground at that time in that winter weather, frozen too. Nice one, Lori. Now, detectives also called Melanie Gibb that day, but they were unable to reach her. They never heard back from her that night either. So law enforcement in Rexburg called the Gilbert Police Department. Officers then go to Melanie's home. She wasn't there, but they did end up reaching her by phone. Melanie tells the officers that JJ hadn't been there in months. Notable, at this time, Melanie's actually in Utah, not Arizona. And well before this time, Lori actually told Melanie Gibb that JJ was with Kay Woodcock. We had actually a talking about this. She goes, well, I need to, you know, it's time for JJ to I don't know how she worded it, but it was something to the effect it's time for, um, um, he's in the way of our mission, so we need to um, send him to Kay's house. That was kind of like the idea is what can we do? And so we talked about Kay and we talked about some of her family members that could actually take him on. And so we talked about, you know, what that conversation would be like with Kay and she wasn't sure if Kay would really receive him. And so we talked about just different ideas about, you know, him going there. And so that was the plan that I knew of is he's going to Kay's house. She told me that. I know that from what I saw in one of the video clippings that she also told a neighbor that as well. And um, so that's what I believe was gonna happen to him. So I left thinking that that's where he was going as Kay's for sure. I didn't doubt that. I'm sure I talked to her a few times on the phone. She did express that he went to Kay's house, okay? So I don't know when she told me, but I would say within a short period of time after I left. She called and said he's at Kay's. Right, and she said, oh yeah, we met up in the airport and she received him and he's gonna go stay. I mean, she gave me the whole story, the whole story. So I just, you know, I believed it. Now, Alex also told the police that day that JJ was with Kay. In court documents, it states, Alex told the detectives that JJ was with his grandma, Kay Woodcock, in Louisiana, which wasn't likely since Kay is the one that called in for the welfare check. Chad and Lori both call Melanie that welfare check day at separate times and asks Melanie to lie and say that JJ was with her. Lori even asked Melanie to take a picture of other kids that would look like JJ running around. Melanie said she would not do that, that she wouldn't take the pictures, no way. But Melanie did not tell the officers that Chad and Lori had contacted her that day and asked her to lie. But she did tell the cops on December 6th, 10 days later. What did she ask you to do? She asked me to tell the police that um, JJ was with me and that I, when I went, because I was going to go and drive down to Arizona for Thanksgiving, and that he was going to go with me, which I didn't know any of this, right? It's all new to me. Um, that she had made it sound like we had arranged it or something. But anyway, he was going to go down to Arizona with me. And uh, she was going to come down there later and pick him up. So that was a foreign idea to me. I'd never heard of that before. So it was very... I can't even tell you how um, uncomfortable. So she said, I've told the police that you were frozen too with JJ and to get your cell phone out and just take a picture of random kids running around to make it look like you had them with you. And I was thinking to myself, nah, I don't, I don't make stuff up like that. I, can't, I'm, mm -mm, I don't do that. So I didn't, I just, 
I'm just in shock still. I Here's what Melanie Gibbs said about Chad and what he said to her that day. It's about Thanksgiving and everything changed. I thought he was safe and I get a call from Chad two days before Thanksgiving. I still feel emotional about it. I said, Melanie, it's Chad. When the police call, don't pick up the phone. And my heart just dropped. I was so confused. I'm like, what? He says, yeah, the police are over at Lori's house checking on JJ. And I'm like, JJ's not with Kay? No, my heart dropped deeper. And I just knew something was wrong, but I didn't know. I didn't understand. Like, you know, what could, well, when you believe these, your friends are good people, you couldn't believe that they could do something like that. What was Chad's demeanor like on the phone? Was he stoic? What was he like? He was very nervous. He was nervous. He was very scared. He did not sound himself. Very unsure, very quivery almost. Um, hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a hard moment. So that call comes completely out of the blue. Out of the blue. Wasn't expecting that at all. He says, don't pick up the phone when the police call. Mm -hmm. He's scared. He's nervous. Mm -hmm. He says, they're going to call you because they're at Lori's house. And she's going to tell them that JJ's with you. She's going to tell the cops that JJ's with you in Arizona. Uh, no, I was in Utah at the time. You were in Utah. Yeah. First of all, that's a, a bombshell that's just thrown. It's, I, can't, I can't even describe how I felt. They put me in a very awkward situation. Now here's what Melanie had to say about Lori's phone call that day. She said, well, um, Kay is trying to kidnap him. And I said, how do you know that? Well, through emails, you know, the emails. I said, I have not read your emails. What do they say? She said, well, she said, Kay had mentioned, it's not like I'm gonna kidnap JJ or anything. And I did think to myself, that doesn't sound like a threat. How soon after did Lori then call? Mm, I can't recall, but it was soon after. Soon after, and what does she say? She sounded like everything was wonderful and great. She had an upbeat voice and I was, you know, I was like, wow, she's positive. And that maybe, it gave me a little hope that, hey, maybe, you know, it's not what I'm thinking the worst. <laughs> what did she say? She said, hey, um, everything's fine, everything's okay. And I mean, I can't quote exactly sure. all the things I said, so. Um, she led me to believe that um, everything was fine and that, you know, the, um, that JJ was, um, I'm trying to remember how she worded it, um, that she was protecting JJ something to the fact that he, you know, they were, they were not just Kay, but it felt like many people were after him. And so she was trying to protect him. That's what she told me. But as I've talked to the police before, I was like, when you get a gut feeling, that's real, right? And they're like, yeah, you gotta go on gut instinct. And what was your gut feeling? If something was terribly wrong, I, I, I mean, it just stayed in there for a long time, that gut feeling. It did not feel comfortable. I, something was telling me something's off here. I wanted to believe her. I didn't wanna think that she would do anything like that. I really, really wanted to believe her. What did she ask you to do? She asked me to tell the police that um, JJ was with me and that I, when I went, cause I was gonna go and drive down to Arizona for Thanksgiving and that he was gonna go with me, which I didn't know any of this, right? It's all new to me, um, that 
she had made it sound like we had arranged it or something. But anyway, he was going to go down to Arizona with me. And uh, she was going to come down there later and pick him up. So that was a foreign idea to me. I'd never heard of that before. So it was very, I can't even tell you how um, uncomfortable. Now here's some more interesting bits of November 26th. Detective Ron Ball stated in a court document that Lori's lie that day delayed the investigation into the whereabouts and safety of JJ by requiring us to take time to investigate a lead that was verified as false. Chad pretended he barely knew Lori even though they were married and said he didn't know her phone number. Now, sometime later that day, Chad fesses up to knowing Lori and says that he knows her phone number and also says that the last he saw JJ was October in apartment 107. Alex also told officers that Lori was in apartment 107, but it was vacant. Apartment 107 is supposed to be Alex's apartment, but even Melanie Pulowski is confused on that. Chad then tried to drive away and a detective stopped him. Chad told the investigator that the last time he saw JJ was in apartment 107 in October. He also admitted that he knew Lori's phone number. I wonder though why he changed his mind. Scared? About to pee his pants? Lori does something similar to Chad and we hear that on the body cam about not knowing him very well. They talk about Chad Daybell and the officer repeats his name and says, how do I know that name? And asks, didn't his wife pass away recently? Lori also called Chad her brother's friend. We were just a little weirded out when you know, and, and I understand now that we've heard your side of the story. It's awful. They just that, feel like I'm being tracked all the time. I'm like, why are police coming to my well, door? What's the idea? They said they were out visiting with two guys. And I'm assuming one's your brother. Who was the, yeah. Who was the other one? The other guy they were visiting with. There were two. Visiting? Well, we had two detectives over here trying to. Looking for you uh, a little while ago. Oh, because I was at the store. And they ran into. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Probably one of your brothers. In My the back brother here. and his friend, probably. Oh, who's been that? Moving. Chad. Chad from around here? Mm-hmm. What's his last name? Miguel. Okay. All right. Uh, it's just a mess that is constantly causing me trouble. Chad the B A Y B E L O? He's an author. Doesn't he live like out in the. Isn't that the Chappie Bell that, uh, did his wife pass away recently? Is that him? I, I don't know. I bet it is Chappie, D-A-Y-B-E-L-L. But it sounds familiar as an author. I think I know, I think I know one of his, has he got a couple of daughters? No, he has lots of kids. Okay, I'll bet it's safe. All right, well, maybe anything else? Sorry, Thank you. Yeah. We don't mean to be a problem. I'm sorry just... that people are constantly knocking on my door. Looking for me, and I just don't want to be found. So. Have you had problems? Because I think we've only had 
my well, the reason I'm moving is because the brother that was going to kill me that we found emails and texts with my ex husband, my husband at the time, came showing up here. So he found out where I was and he was knocking on my door. Now, this was your brother? One of my brothers. He showed up here and was knocking on your mm -hmm. door. He lives in Kansas. And you said something about you were getting threatening emails? Well, no. Just after my husband passed, I found emails and texts between them that they were planning all this stuff to get rid of me. Do we need to worry about him coming over? Well, that's when I'm moving back. I'm moving, and I'm not going to be in a place. I'm going to live with my friend, Melanie. Don't tell him. Oh, you can call. Take care of Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just, like, just a nightmare. I mean, I canceled the insurance policy since my husband passed, so there's no money if they can. And what are they going to do with JJ and Tyler? Like, what do people think? So. Well, if you have a problem, throw it back up. Feel free to call us. We'll come and run him off or something. Okay. All right. Okay. We'll get out of here. Thank you. Thank you. See ya. And Lori stays pretty quiet otherwise. I mean, why not say she's married, right? If something is so natural. But as we know, Chad's wife just died. Notable. Lori refers to Charles in this audio as her husband. For the most part, she might have said x one or two times but for the most part she called charles her husband wonder what chad thought about that i also wonder if Lori took her ring off that day now on this day chad also tried to flee like i said but the officers caught up to him that may be one of the parts where we hear rob wood the district attorney talk about chad and mentions to summer shiflet that chad was about to pee his pants that and of course the actual day that the kids were discovered which is also when Chad tried to flee. Notable, John Pryor, Chad's lawyer, is adamant that his client never flees. I think we can all disagree on that one. Now, one of Lori's neighbors, his name is Seth, he said he saw Lori and Alex packing up the truck that day. Seth says he thought they were traveling for the holiday. Lori left behind her stuff and left JJ's toys out on the front porch. Still no mention of Melanie Pulowski at this point, but she's in town. Side note, around this time or shortly after, law enforcement learns that Tylee moved to Rexburg as well and was living with Lori, or supposed to be. And then they also learned she hadn't been seen since September. Lori said that Tylee was attending classes at BYU, but records show that she wasn't attending any BYU campus. Now begins the sequence of interesting events, and we start to see all kinds of decisions and movements and lies in the following days. On the next day, on November 27th, the police come back, and now there's no sign of the three musketeers, Alex, Lori, and Chad. At 10.13 a.m. in court documents, it said that a phone related to the investigation is pinged at the general location right now when dispatched. However, when law enforcement arrive, Lori and Chad suddenly split town. Notable, not only did Lori and Chad leave abruptly, so did Alex Cox, and it appears now, so did Melanie Pulowski. So law enforcement from Arizona asked Rexburg PD to execute search warrants at Lori's residence. They were authorized to collect blood, fingerprints, hair and hygiene products for DNA, 
personal items such as toys, clothing and shoes, electronic devices, school records and documents related to state assistance received on behalf of JJ as well as bank records. Now in the documents it stated, quote, which may be evidence of payments received on behalf of the child as well as payments or expenses made for the child. So the neighbors watch as the FBI raid three places. Lori's place, number 175, Alex's place, number 107, and Melanie Pulowski's place, number 174. It was stated that law enforcement broke the front door of Alex's place to get inside. I'm curious though, why break the door down in 107 and not 174 and 175? Perhaps we'll hear about that in the discovery. If you want to check out my apartment 107, you can check that out right here. Now, on that same day, two detectives then visit Lori's son, Colby Ryan. He lived at Arizona at the time and the authorities ask him where JJ and Tylee are. This is the first time he's actually hearing that Lori moved to Idaho with the kids. He knew they were moving. He didn't know they were moving to Idaho. Colby calls Lori and asks what's going on and she says, I got it, I'll take care of it, love you. And that was it. In a February 2020 interview, Colby had stated that was the last time he talked to his mom was in November. At what point do you find out that they're going to Idaho? I didn't. I didn't know they were going to Idaho. I found out that they were in Idaho recently. That, that's Take where they were. There. Detectives come and ask you where the kids are. Mm -hmm. That's how you find out yeah. what happened. They came to the door and they asked me where my little sister is and where JJ is. And I'm like what are you, like, how are you asking me? I don't know, like, I don't have them. And they came looking for him here, thinking that they would be here. And so I just opened the door thinking like, why are two detectives up at the door? And when we had that conversation, it just like, you know what I mean? Like, what, what do you mean where's like Tylee? Like I was freaking out because I didn't know what they were gonna say. And so we had that conversation. I came inside and I'm like looking around, like my wife's looking at me and we're just thinking what is going on. So I called my mom and I'm like, you know, two detectives just came to my door. What is going on? And she said, I got it, I'll take care of it. Love you. And that was it. That was it. Yeah. I got it, I'll take care of it, I love you. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit of a conversation, but that was really it. That was what it was. Like, you know, she asked me what they asked. I said, they asked for Tylee. I said, where's Tylee? Why are they asking me? This was November 26th, the day they mm -hmm. did the welfare check in Rexburg, Idaho. It was, it was the day before Thanksgiving. So either it was day a, before Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's and when they came to our door. In November 27th, Rexburg police do a search warrant at the townhome in, in Rexburg, and Lori is gone. Chad Daybell is gone. There's no sign of the kids. Did you find this out that they have left? I didn't find out until I don't know when. So they had an article. Someone published the article that they went to their home and they were gone. And that's when I was like, that's when things just started to be like, yeah, I freaked out. So I called my mom and that number was gone. It was just, it was dead. No rape. Mm. And you haven't talked to her since that, when the detective came. November 27th was a really big day because the police also served a search warrant at Lori's storage unit. And according to the documents, it says any evidence that the boy was residing at any of these residences and or evidence of foul play or the commission of a crime and or evidence of the child's current location. Inside the unit, there were kids' bikes, a scooter, winter clothing, blankets with photos of the kids, a photo album, sports equipment, a backpack with JJ's initials, and a jersey with Colby's name on it. Now, side note, Lori's unit had 10 visits from October 1st to November 24th. 
So now let's dive into each person, their whereabouts, and really see what's going on. Because this holiday is a lot more important than we know and we think. And there certainly seems to be a lot of traveling going on. Let's start with Alex. The day of the raid on November 27th, it's said that Alex moved back to Arizona. Now remember, he just moved at the end of August. And according to a police report, which was written when Alex died in December, Zulema states that on the 27th that she asked Alex to stay with her and not go back to Idaho. She said that she convinced Alex that he could stay with her and he could get rid of his Rexburg apartment. Now that's pretty quick, one day's notice and Alex picks up and leaves for Zulema. What a coincidence. Sounds like real love and just jumped at the opportunity. I'm curious though in that statement, how Zulema remembered that it was the 27th that she asked him. And I'm also wondering why so quick with Alex, but I think we know the answer. The police report says, the day before Thanksgiving, Alex arrived at Zulema's house in Gilbert to spend the holidays. Zulema asked him to stay with her and not go back to Idaho. She convinced him he could stay with her and he could get rid of his apartment in Idaho. He was thinking about going back to work for a former employee where he could work locally instead of driving so much around the country. Alex had not worked for a couple of months, but he had some money saved up. Also notable in this police report how Zulema mentioned how Alex took time off from work in the last few months while he was in Idaho. As many of you know, Alex's occupation was a truck driver. Now in this report, she also said that Alex had a niece and some friends in Rexburg, Idaho. But check this out. Alex technically had two nieces and one nephew in Rexburg, Idaho, or should have. Tylee and Melanie, two nieces, and JJ Vallow, one nephew. But in the December report, she said, just a niece and some friends there. And of course, the only niece she's referring to is Melanie Pulowski. And again, this report was written in December when Alex died on December 12th. And it was only a little over two weeks since the welfare check. So the kids' whereabouts was unknown at this point. And actually it wouldn't be known for another six months in June. So why would Zulema say that, right? She knows Lori has children. And technically she wouldn't know about the kids being missing. Except here it sure sounds like she does. And she wouldn't know the kids would be killed. Quite interesting, isn't it? Perhaps this is why she has use immunity. Alex was a truck driver who traveled a lot. He recently wanted to take some time off and move to Idaho a few months ago. He had a niece and some friends there. But wait, there's more. Since we're speaking about Alex, according to Melanie Gibb, she also went to go see him. And that's when Alex says to her, I cannot believe she threw you under the bus like that, meaning Lori. You know, after I get to Arizona and everything, I was talking to Alex because I wanted to meet with him. And he goes, I cannot believe she threw you under the bus like that. So Alex came to your defense. And I said, I can't believe she did either. I said, I can't believe she said that. I, I don't, that was not smart. Also notable, the officers ask Zulema if Alex ever had visitors there. And Zulema mentions Melanie Pulowski, but does not mention Melanie Gibb. Now let's move on to Melanie Boudreaux slash Pulowski. Now, in past videos, we talked about how Melanie's statements really don't add up and she talks a lot in circles. So let's bring a little information to light, shall we? On the 27th, the same day that Alex moves back to Arizona, guess who follows him there? Melanie Pulowski. Now, according to Melanie, 
she had plans to spend Thanksgiving with her new boyfriend of seven days, Ian Pulowski. They met through a dating app on the 20th of November, according to Melanie. And according to Ian, she didn't have anyone to spend Thanksgiving with. Here's what Ian said in an interview about it. So we came to Arizona. Um, I came down with my two children to have Thanksgiving with my family. And uh, she came down um, a few days later. And on her way down, she was talking about how she didn't have anybody to go to Thanksgiving with. And so I invited her to come be with my family. It was kind of a spur of the moment thing. Interesting that Melanie told Ian that she didn't have anyone to spend Thanksgiving with when Melanie was following Alex, her uncle, who she's close with, to Arizona and stayed at Zulema's house. And as Ian already stated in his interview, he was already in Arizona with his kids and he went a few days before. Another side note, Melanie was arrested two weeks before Thanksgiving and six days before she met Ian. Bet she didn't mention that on a date. So she actually made a trip on November 14th to American Fork, Utah, and Brandon had brought their children there because he was fearing for his safety after being shot at by Uncle Alex. Melanie trespassed on her in-law's property despite being told several times to leave. So she gets arrested, lands in jail, and good old Alex actually drove her there. And she was then arrested, put in jail, and Alex bailed her out the next day. Now let's go back to the Zulema. In the police report, it mentions Melanie Pulowski staying there for Thanksgiving. Here's what it says. When Alex moved back to Arizona from Idaho, he brought his niece named Melanie with him. Melanie drove separate from Alex, but stayed with the family at this address. Kara stated Melanie returned to Arizona from Idaho to pick up the remaining items she had left in Arizona. Once Melanie was finished, she drove back to Idaho. Now, Kara, or Kara, is Zulema's daughter. And interesting, I'm here, I'm wondering what the extra remaining items are, as Melanie actually cleared out everything on October 31st with Uncle Alex and then drove to Rexburg. I call BS on that one. Now, November 28th, which is Thanksgiving, we have Melanie Pulowski, Alex Cox, and Ian Pulowski, and of course Zulema Pastenez, all in Arizona. Lori and Chad had taken off from Rexburg, but they didn't go to Arizona. They head to California. Now, Chad is approximately $430,000 richer from Tammy dying. So what does he do? He takes his family to California, and he goes to Knott's Berry Farm, according to sources. Now, Lori is supposedly not in these social media photos, but Melanie Gibb does mention Lori talking about wanting to take the kids to Disneyland and California. Have a look. I know that at one point we talked about her going on a trip with uh, Chad's children to California. We may, she might have mentioned it during that time, or I called her shortly after that when I was driving down to Arizona. It was between that conversation and that, I can't recall, but um, that they were gonna go on a family vacation and that they were just going with the kids, or his kids. Now, Melanie Pulowski states that it was this holiday on Thanksgiving that they all decided to get married just on a whim. And they decided to travel to Las Vegas. This is about a five hour drive away. You guys were married shortly thereafter, right? After Thanksgiving? Right, yeah, November 30th. November 30th. We were, it was really fast and um, you know, I was in this, you know, battle still with my ex and didn't have my kids with us right then, but we felt, um, both ready. We, we pray about decisions together and we felt, you know, that it was right that we should get married when we did. And, you know, Vegas wedding wasn't dreamy or anything, but our goal was to be sealed in the temple, you know, one, 
day. And so we said, let's do this while we have Max and Lily. And then when we have Braxton, Brighton, Blake, and Breeze too, let's all be together when we have that special day where we can be so together. Now, were Alex and Zulema married? Did you guys have a joint wedding or was that separate? So Alex and Zulema had been dating for several months and kind of, Alex was very ready to marry Zulema and she was a little bit like, you know, I'm going to wait till I get an answer. I know I'm supposed to be with you, Alex, but I'm going to wait till it feels like the right time. And they um, had talked about, do you want to get married in Jackson or, um, you know, Las Vegas? And it just so happened when they were, they picked their date and had it more planned than Ian and I did. And, you know, the coincidence of it, of us picking the day right after them wasn't planned or anything. It was just what, what happened. And they, they were there and we had made the decision in Arizona during Thanksgiving and we said, let's do it. And while we're there, you know, we need a witness and Alex and Zulema are there. And, you know, this isn't our big wedding day. This is just the beginning of our lives together. And we'll have that special moment when we're all together as a family. Okay. So they got married the day before you guys did. Yes, I believe so. So one so day. we got married on the 30th, and I think they got married on the 29th. And was it uh, just an intimate ceremony for the both of you, like any extended family or, you know, friends, or was it just kind of a small group? Yeah, it was just, in for Ian and I, we had two or three hours. We got a, a dress and a, a tux and got the kids all dressed up and their hair done, and it was a small um I think the lucky little wedding chapel, I think, right. is where we um, where we picked, and it's a small room, um, and it was, it was just very intimate, um, quick, not um, anything crazy or anything, but it was special to us. And then Alex and Zulema just were there as our witnesses, and um, it was just planned last second. We didn't have time to invite a lot of people. It was just a, on a whim decision, and felt like it's what we should do. Now, side note, what do you mean I think they got married on the 29th, Melanie? What other option is it? Thanksgiving was on the 28th, it's a five-hour drive down there. The 30th, you got married. What day would have they gotten married? Notable, Ian hasn't met any of Melanie's children after a week of dating. She meets his kids, though, and even though it's been seven days of dating, they decide to take the leap of faith and get married on a whim. Now, at 8.01 p.m. on the 29th, Alex Cox marries Zulema Pastenes at the Chapel of Love in Las Vegas. And Alex Cox takes on Zulema's last name and becomes Alex Pastenes. Notable, the wedding is about two weeks before his death. And Alex's obituary actually says Alex Cox, not Pastenes. Now, according to the owner of a Chapel of Love in Las Vegas, he says what stuck out to him the most was their lack of emotional response. He says they were very cold. It was business. They wanted to get in and get out. And according to the owner, their service only lasted eight minutes. And their only witness was the chapel security guard. I wonder where Ian and Melanie were possibly shopping for their clothes for the next day. Now, notable, Alex and Lori's mother, Janice Cox, and their sister, Summer Shiflet, have no idea that they got married, nor did they know Alex moved back to Arizona. My guess is they didn't know about Melanie either. So in three days, they all just traveled from Idaho to Arizona to California and Vegas. Now that same day, Melanie Gibb receives an email from Lori full of pictures of Lori and Chad's wedding on the beach in Hawaii. Melanie Gibb claims that she didn't know they had gotten married. Now, April Raymond, Lori's friend who lived in Hawaii at the time, 
didn't know that Lori got married either. And of course, Lori's family didn't know. Now, something to note, in a interview with Janice in summer, they talked about not being invited. And Janice says, we learned they got married on the news, so we didn't know. Summer Shiflet says, we've never been invited to any of Lori's weddings, so this was not unusual for us. Janice says, we were invited, we didn't go to any. Find this very interesting. Summer says, I've never been invited to one, but that's fine. And when it came to Alex, Janice says, and it was hard to hear about Alex from the police. We didn't know he had gotten married. We didn't know he had moved back to Arizona. That was very hard, so it's affected every part of our family. Now, the next day on November 30th, it's now Melanie and Ian's turn. And at 5.23 p.m., Melanie Boudreau marries Ian Palowski at the same place. Notable, Alex Cox, a.k.a. Alex Pastenes, is their witness. Also notable, Ian divorced his previous wife in July of 2019 and Melanie separated from her previous husband, Brandon Boudreaux, in June 2019, both in Arizona. I keep wondering, and maybe you can let me know as well in the comments, did Melanie actually know Ian before? Now, it's been reported on Ian and Melanie's wedding night that Melanie tells Ian sometimes that children are full of light and just like that they go dark. Now, on the 1st of December, Lori and Chad fly from LA to Kauai on American Airlines. On December 2nd, Ian's mom calls him after talking to his ex-wife, Natalie. She tells him that Melanie's in a cult, Chad's the cult leader, and Alex Cox shot a man. The same day, Alex Cox's apartment goes back on the market. Now, on December 3rd, Melanie Pulowski is interviewed by law enforcement for five hours. On December 4th, Natalie Pulowski, Ian's ex-wife, contacts someone who is an associate of Brandon Boudreaux trying to find him. She says, so I shared the information that you gave me and relayed it and basically on their wedding night, she laid out the whole cult thing but didn't say it was a cult and he was just so confused. Anyway, she told him that in March, a demon possessed my body and my spirit came to her in a vision or dream and told her this. She was interrogated by the police for five hours yesterday and told my ex that two of the police officers were possessed with the spirits of two of the original 12 disciples of Cain. She told him that my kid's spirits were full of light, but that can change basically at any moment. She has isolated him pretty badly. Like she has driven him to work every day this week for one reason or another. Won't let him talk to his family. Makes him listen to weird podcasts where he feels this pit in his stomach. But she tells him that there are light and dark weapons and the bad feelings are the dark weapons. She said that in a past life, she was the niece of Jesus. Look, my ex is not the best person in the world, but I am legitimately scared for my own life and my kid's life and my ex's. I heard something about a missing person that she may be involved in. I don't know the details on that one. I have literally no idea what to do. I think he is planning on going to the police for some help and I'm thinking she might blame me and come after me. I mean, if she is convinced that I'm a demon and God tells her to kill me, I could end up another missing person case. He is terrified that he has asked me to take the kids away on his weekend, which is next weekend because he doesn't want them around her. He has never done that ever. He said that she didn't want me learning her last name because I would contact her ex-husband and he would tell me that she tried to kill him and she's in a cult. I've never seen anyone so terrified. He told me to look up the names Alex Cox and Chad Daybell. I'm sorry for dragging you into this, but I have no idea what to do. Can you just get this email to the right people? Have them help us? Have us help them? I don't know. Thanks. 
Natalie Pulowski. Now the next day on December 5th, Natalie and Ian are interviewed by Rexburg police. Notable, Lori's attorney requests from Rexburg Police Department the recordings of Ian as he had recorded Melanie. Also on December 6th, Ian meets again with law enforcement, this time by himself, and he restates what he knows. Same day, Chandler PD in Arizona serve a search warrant to JJ's school, and that was called Life Academy. He attended there before Lori left and took JJ to Rexburg. That same day, Melanie Gibb tells the cops about Lori and Chad asking her to lie for them. Now, on December 8th, two days later, Melanie Gibb, records a phone call she made to Chad and Lori asking the whereabouts of JJ. December 11th, Tammy is exhumed. December 12th, Alex dies. And that's when Zulema asks if she is a suspect in Alex's death. So we have a lot of conversations going on at Thanksgiving and the days surrounding it. Plans are being made, three weddings in one month, and no one knowing about it except for this little small circle and it's being passed off as spur of the moment and just on a whim. Why, right? Zulema knows that Lori has kids, yet she says that Alex has his niece and friends out there, no mention of his other niece and nephew. And technically, like I said, she wouldn't even know about them yet that they were missing or killed. Now, Melanie Pulowski sure keeps hush-hush when it comes to the kids and saying that she just doesn't keep up with Lori's life, yet she lives right next door and it was said that she actually took a little trip to Hawaii in October. Hopefully we can find out the details on that one in the actual date. How would she not know that the kids weren't around? Alex Cox, well, what a gong show he is and was. A protector, an alleged killer, and just so happens to get married and change his name to Pastenes and live with Zulema and basically not be trackable. Ian Pulowski marries Melanie a week into dating then becomes suspicious, records Melanie about all these crazy ideas. I'd think, and this is my opinion, if it was just Lori and Chad's crazy cult and Melanie wasn't involved, that it wouldn't get to the degree that it has. And Melanie Pulowski sure likes to play the I don't know card and expect people to believe it as she seems to be believed, just like Lori, in my opinion. And here we are with Lori and Chad sitting in jail. And in recent events, there was a motion to compel that occurred on March 8th. Now, the public didn't get to see much going on because it was a lot of conversation going on behind closed doors. But the judge said that it was recorded. Now, I'm not sure what's going down. Perhaps there's some serious things coming. I know that the change of venue hearing was vacated as well, which is supposed to be March 22nd. So... What do you guys think? Do you think charges are coming for Chad and Lori and maybe more people? Something serious is going on, possibly. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Thanksgiving wasn't just a gathering. It was, in my opinion, a congregation of people trying to figure out what their next steps and trying to cover their butts. Three weddings, just on a whim, I don't think so. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Please like and please share. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon. And a recent a wet a west. A recent a wet a west. <laughs> I'm Elmo Fudd. <laughs>